Hey, I'm Brady Hyan, and this is Bettering Nashville. On today's episode, I speak with Judy Tackett, the director of the Homeless Impact Division, which is a department of the city government that oversees a lot of the efforts on homelessness in our city. They do a lot of staff support, coordination with local nonprofits, as well as data collection and analysis. We talk about how the organization came to be, what they've done in the past, and what they're looking to do in the future, and how we can help as citizens of Nashville. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Judy. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, so you are with the Homeless Impact Division uh, with the city of Nashville. Is it that it's a city government group, right? Yes. The Homeless Impact Division is a division of Metro Social Services, which is a city department. Yes. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Homeless Impact Division? Yeah, so I grew up in Switzerland, came over here to Nashville to study journalism and political science. And uh, as a journalist, started covering social issues in Nashville. And as part of that, I covered Metro Social Services right at the time when uh, back then uh, the Bill Parcell administration started a task force to create a 10 year plan to end chronic homelessness in Nashville. So I covered that and out of that uh, plan came um, an organization, was kind of a division created within Metro Social Services, um, the precursor of the Homeless Impact Division. It was called the Metropolitan Homelessness Commission. Okay. What, um, year, was, what year was that? So um, the Homelessness Commission was created in 2005. Okay. Uh, I started as a freelance uh, contract a person with them I was hired full-time in 2011 and have been um, ever since with Metro Social Services. Okay, so they had a 10-year plan that I guess went through 2015? Yes. Can you take us to there and where, where it went from there? Yes. So before 2015, it was very clear that, um, and we were not the only city that had a 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness. And it became very clear that uh, most of these plans, while great plans, um, did not meet their goals. Um, Mm. And so when we saw this happening in Nashville, Nashville leaders um, lifted, there was a sunshine on the Homelessness Commission that by 2015, ideally, if that goal would be reached, it would go away. Well, mm-hmm. there was a need to continue. Mm-hmm. Out of this, that discussion, when we looked at what does, it, what does Nashville need to continue addressing homelessness, um, we looked at the governance structure in Nashville around homelessness, and there were two boards doing pretty much the same work around homelessness. One was um, built around federal requirements. It was called the Continuum of Care Governance Board. The other one was the Metropolitan Homelessness Commission. So by 2018, we unified the governance structure and created what is the um, Homelessness Planning Council. 
which is anchored in Metro, but also it serves as the Continuum of Care Governance Board. Now, Continuum of Care is one of those terms that a lot of you listeners will not be familiar with. It's right. a federal construct. It, okay. is, it, it describes a geographic area. Here it's Nashville-Davidson County. And all the stakeholders in it, all, mostly the providers right now, that work towards building a system that addresses and ends homelessness for people in a nutshell. It also comes with some funding sources. And traditionally, as you know, uh, everybody focuses on the funding sources um, but there are some other benefits to it, which is really that systems approach. So we as the Homeless Impact Division um, are offering staff support and are part of that leadership of this governance structure. Okay. The continuum of care, you said, is the federal side of things and a lot of federal funding comes in through that. Sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I need to correct you. It yeah. is a federal construct for local communities, and it comes with um, dollars. But locally, we get about just under $4 million every year. With $4 million, you cannot build an effective system that ends homelessness for a lot of people. Mm. So it's, it's a, a really important piece, but it's not all that we need. So the system needs to be looking at different funding sources, local, state, federal funding sources, just to really be effective. Okay. Can you walk me through, um, I guess, your specific role within the Homeless Impact Division and then how big the team is and what, what everyone else is doing uh, to work towards these goals? Yes, I'm the director of the Homeless Impact Division. We are a team of 11 staff. Um, we have a responsibility to our community to lead what is called, we, we administer the uh, Homeless Management Information System, which is a database that, um, when it's functioning really well, will give us a full picture of homelessness. It would allow the duplication of services, and it also pretty much makes services more effective for people experiencing homelessness and leading them to housing with the right services as quickly as possible. About two years ago, the Homeless Impact Division took over as the HMAS, that's what we call the database in short, Homeless Management Information System. So we took over the HMAS, the HMAS lead for this community. And uh, this is the first year that our communities actually um, going to start to share data within that system. So my staff, um, uh, most of them are really focused on training the community, on uh, entering quality data, on getting more people and more providers to enter data. So we start to have a fuller picture and we are this year starting to produce uh, data reports okay. on what, what we have in there. Yeah, that's one thing um, I personally have kind of wondered how you track the data around homelessness because there um, these people are so kind of out of systems, traditional systems. It's hard to know just how many people are experiencing homelessness on a day to day basis. Can you talk about how you all track and measure that? Yes. So now moving forward, <laughs> I believe everybody enters data. 
uh, of people experiencing homelessness into the system. Within that system, there's also a process. It's, it's more a referral process. It's called coordinated entry. And we're also using this database and it has really helped us with certain populations to um, keep a really good measure of how many uh, veterans um, we have in Nashville. And it's usually around, uh, it fluctuates between 180, I would say, and 210, 220, depending on the months uh, going up and down right now. So it's always hovering around that 200 number right now. So that then shows us and our uh, service providers that serve veterans, there needs to be one, oomph. we need something extra to actually get that number down quicker. Mm. Um, we, we're managing veteran homelessness, but we are not really ending it for everybody as quickly as possible. Yeah. It also then measures how long a veteran stays in homelessness. Now, if we can replicate all that for individuals experiencing homelessness, families experiencing homelessness, youth, then we are on the right track. So until now, the only real measure that we had that um, year after year was a point in time count. And that is really what it says. It is one count that volunteers and, and service providers go out on one night in January to count everybody who's in a shelter bed, in an emergency shelter bed, and also in a program emergency bed, and or outdoors. Okay. And so in on January 23, 2020, our community counted 2,016 people total. Okay. So that's a snapshot. Right. And other than that, anybody who gives you any numbers that says they have annual numbers and du unduplicated, we are not there yet. That's the only hard number we have. Yeah. Okay. That's the hard number, not the only one, but that's the one we still go by and okay. we are really improving quickly to get better numbers. Okay. Um, so you've talked about kind of, it sounds like the origins of what the organization is now back in 2005 up through 2018 or 2017, you said when you kind of restructured, uh, what are the goals and the path forward now or since then, since the restructuring? So our goal is improve the data, improve accountability, um, improve the coordination with all service providers and interested stakeholders. So we growing that system, um, the goal is um, that to end homelessness. And I have to really explain what that means. Okay. We cannot control whether people lose their housing. But if you have an effective system, and I like to call it housing crisis resolution system, then we everybody who loses housing in Nashville and is identified and works towards housing should be able to access that housing within a certain time. Our goal right now is nine, within 90 days. We're okay. not there. We're, mm -hmm. we're far from there. Uh, ideally, if we can then, once we reach 90 days on average, we just reduce that to 60 days. We reduce it to, and that's how we improve the system. So what we do at the Homeless Impact Division, we do a lot of stakeholder meetings for coordination. We do a lot of planning with, with the stakeholders, and stakeholders are mostly nonprofits, but we're also looking at government agencies and how we can expand out universities and other groups. And um, what we really need to do is also generate more resources because I always say we cannot work on homelessness without housing as the solution. Mm. But we also need to write supports for people that have mental health issues, substance abuse issues, and, and just need recovery or any other issues yeah. that need to go hand in hand. 
Okay, so uh, do you have a timeline uh, like you did, like they did in two thousand five? Do you have a, a year that you're trying to reach these goals? Um, not yet. Okay. So we have our first strategic plan that the Homelessness Planning Council created. And the goal is within three years to reduce homelessness by 25%. We, the baseline is that pit count number from 2020. Okay. Um, but I think because it's a first strategic plan moving forward, we really need to review and, and build in more goals. But mm -hmm. the first step is to get that HMIS data so we can actually have some real baseline to set those goals. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you, you're a big priority for you is getting accurate data. Um, it also sounds like you need the resources. You mentioned getting a local um, funding of around 4 million, but that's not nearly enough. Can you speak more to that? What would it take to get the resources that you think would really move the needle? Yeah. Once is um, as part of the strategic plan, we need inventories. So how many housing units are available that are designated to homelessness? We already have uh, some inventory on there, but just regular review of that. Then how many people do experience homelessness, families, children, um, veterans, youth, and individuals, um, and then see where the gaps are. And how many people do we house on a monthly basis? Um, those type of measures. That's why data is important, mm. but it's not everything. While we do all of that, I, I cannot stress enough that we are already um, working on housing people when we have resources. So COVID has brought in actually more resources, resources that we've never seen. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. We have a, a program called Emergency Solution Grants. Um, it's a federal grant process that this year, the, the regular allocation for Nashville was $450,000 through that. This year, because of COVID, additional allocations were made available and add up to $10 million. Oh, wow. And now, starting this week, we have actually made the first referrals for 53 people to get into housing. Starting at, That was happening on this week it's wow, happening. Wow. You know? That's great news. Working with motel owners that are also struggling right now to fill their rooms. Yeah. But they need to work with us. They need to uh, we, we have a system that we are starting to um, coordinate with landlords and also motel owners. Um, everybody needs to agree to a one year lease with the person that they're housing that is option to renew after the one year. Um, these $10 million are used as rental assistance and mm. also provide support services along with the rental assistance. Um, anybody can reach out to us um, and to me. I, I will direct them to the right place. We need landlords and also motel owners that will work with us to house people as many as we can. I love that. That's a, That sounds like a very innovative and dynamic way to use the resources and kind of to help out the landlords who are also struggling uh, and kind of meet the needs of both groups. Yes. And the other thing that where my thoughts are talking about strategic plan and long-term planning. So when you look at that, if you get to $10 million and the programs, these dollars come to our community and are granted out to nonprofits. And most nonprofits are now building what is called the rapid rehousing program in a nutshell, what I just described, okay. rental support or support services. 
uh, to house people. We are here at the Homeless Impact Division to assist with um, coordination meetings, trainings, data entry, which is a requirement, um, the data entry uh, training, all of that. And we also are the ones to assist landlords that are interested. Here's the information. We're the go-to person if you have issues. We're we're here for you. That's kind of what we are building up mm-hmm. and where we do the planning coordination around. Yeah. So this. you you're kind of the nexus of all these groups that are doing this the work towards homelessness around the city. They're coming to you not only for grants but also for coordination and for data. And you're you're kind of the, yes. And we don't even hold the money. In this instance, it's um, the Metropolitan um, uh, Development and Housing Agency. MDHA, mm-hmm. uh, but we are the main coordinator. We're we're that backbone. Yes. So what I'm hearing is there's just not enough housing to um, get people in out out of homelessness. Um, what is are there steps being made there by the city? Like what what is the the trajectory of housing in Nashville? Um, that is. A conversation that's always ongoing. Um, it is we we do have as a city the Barnes Fund that's working with nonprofits to create more um, affordable units. More nonprofits are actually going into building the units that they oh, see okay. needed. And then MDHA uh, is is the main housing provider as for the city and in the city, and they're really looking at restructuring what they need to do. We have partnerships with MDHA. Uh, for some moving cost assistance. Uh, we also partner uh, for set-aside uh, Section 8 vouchers that prioritize people experiencing homelessness who are extremely vulnerable, mm-hmm. which is another issue I wanted to touch on. It's very important that when we build a system that we um, individualize approaches. We're moving away as a system from first come, first serve, and then cookie-cutter approach. Everybody gets the same type of resources because there are just not enough resources. Mm -hmm. So it's really as a community and that's where, again, a lot of planning and coordination comes in where we're like, okay, what are the priorities this community would like to see? And homelessness, um, when you look especially at at chronic homelessness, which is long-term homelessness with disabling conditions, then... um, you just have to prioritize the people that will not be able at this point to get off the streets on their own or have so given up on housing Mm. because at every turn, they just don't have the income. So homelessness system, we are asked to solve a lot of problems that other systems really basically create because they're having gaps. Yes. It sounds like it's a widespread issue. And when you're only given a very certain area of impact, it's hard to really manage the problem when it's related to mental health, it's related to housing, it's related to cost of living and everything. Yeah, just think of it. And COVID has really brought that to the forefront that um, homelessness really is a health issue when you think about it, a public health issue. Um, People experiencing homelessness are extremely vulnerable in the pandemic. Housing must be the solution uh, to get them out of that, out, out of that, um, out of the streets, out of the shelters, out of congregate settings where they cannot. Uh, even though we all do social distancing setups, uh, it's still congregate settings, and um, 
for any health system, housing should be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. When you go to the doctor or you've been in the hospital, can you imagine being released to the streets? It's yeah, that oh. is scary. It's a scary thought. Yeah. Um, do you think that COVID, we, it's unclear how long we're going to be experiencing this pandemic or what, what turns we'll take in the future. But uh, af after we come out of it, do you think uh, the city or the state or the country will see the impact of those extra dollars? Um, for example, without the COVID money, you wouldn't maybe not have been able to find housing for those 53 people that you said are being housed this week. Uh, do you yeah. have hope that that will kind of kick us into gear? I hope that we will change that conversation um, because having these dollars will allow us to improve our system way quicker than not having these dollars. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, let's show the outcome that these dollars and the investment of these dollars into housing and the supports have for people and for communities. And then I hope the conversation will be, so how do we replenish those resources? Because the 10 million are one-time funding. We need at least that level to continue what, we, what we're building. Right. So those are the conversations that need to start as quickly as possible so we can look at where are these funding sources. And one of the things we lack in Tennessee is we're not a Medicaid-expanded state. A lot of states that are use Medicaid dollars to for support services once mm. people are in housing for ongoing supports for what whatever that is for um, getting people to substance use treatment to recovery treatment, getting people to mental health access mental health um, treatments and and address their mental illness. Those are the the types of dollars and supports that we just. Um, don't have at that level that we needed. I'm not very familiar with Medicaid. Can you talk about uh, why that is in our state? Um, it's a political issue. It's really a state issue and state legislators uh, need to um, really agree to that. Okay. Um, I might be getting out of your area of expertise here, but you need funding. You, you, you say that the funding is going to help. How can we create that funding for the issue of homelessness? One, and that's kind of why I went for uh, taking on a database that's very complex, that homeless management information system. When um, about a couple of years ago, we took this on, I know exactly what I'm taking on. Mm. Um, that's something that's not functioning yet for our community. We need to turn it into something that functions. Number one, I think the data is what shows where the investments um, happen and where we actually get the return of investment. Yes. And I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about helping people. Mm. Um, you know, this has to be about people. But we will show that housing people is also cost effective for our community. Or even if it's cost neutral, we don't want people on the streets. Nobody wants people on the streets. Right. People on the streets don't want to be on the streets. And that's a myth I want to get into in a little bit. Sure. Um, and so... What I hope is that we can look at, just have these conversa conversations at all levels of government. Um, 
the big push that needs to happen is um, for housing support and house is um, subsidies. It's like Section 8 voucher. That's a federal issue. Mm-hmm. But a state issue is what I talked about. Where can we find support dollars to assist the people that need the supports to remain in housing? Um, other discussions that we're having, and we are actually at the Homeless Impact Division, are facilitating some meetings and collaborations are set up also linking people to employment services Mm -hmm. so that their income is increased. That's an important support once they're in housing or even before when, whenever that works, it's just really, really hard to access employment when you're not, when you're living in a shelter or on the streets. Mm -hmm. So let's be realistic. Let's get people to housing as quickly as possible and link them with supports and employment as quickly as possible. And just, just looking at all these type of opportunities uh, looking what grants, federal grants we can go for and that makes sense for our community going for every op- opportunity. And then um, I think once we show the full picture and um, that we have an accountable system with with that data system in place, we can also um, get more local and corporate investment. Yeah, I love that. It's It's one thing to say, Hey, you, I know you told us to fix this issue, but it's really hard and we're not getting the support we need. But to show it in number form is another is a, a incredible argument um, to give to the city. Mm-hmm. And also for healthcare, if if homelessness, it, it's really hard for hospitals to address um, and, and, you know, to discharge people that experience homelessness because they don't like to discharge people to shelters. Mm-hmm. So. We, we are already looking, where are these connections and how can we help and what can we save you if you actually get people into housing? And then can you be part of the solution by investing in some of that housing? Those are the conversations we need to have. Yeah. Uh, you touched on a myth about homelessness. Do you want to maybe give us a, any, any myths or misconceptions that people might have about homelessness? Yes. So I've started in homelessness um and and watched it and being a, started as a volunteer um about 20 years ago a little over 20 years ago and during that entire time talking to people when you get to know a person when you know them by name when they start trusting you then um it's it's very rare that somebody says i don't want housing mm. i knew one person one wow in 20 years. years one um and even then, um, there are reasons behind it because sometimes we just think, here's housing, take it. And then we would never, ever live in that place that we think it's good enough mm. for somebody else. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a dump, basically. So it's not, we, we really need to listen and we really need to hear what people are saying. And we need to, uh, it's easy to just have a conversation and then people are not asking for housing anymore because they have given up. They don't even know that that's even an option for them mm. a lot of times. And so that myth about they don't want to work, they don't want to be in housing. It's really, for me, that's a very, very, very small minority. Yeah. And yes, they may tell you that, but it's maybe a pride thing or get rid of you mm. thing. Yeah. But the truth. Mm. Um. So what can the average citizen in Nashville do to help? 
Mm -hmm. So right now, what we need the most, because we have these $10 million, we need to recruit more landlords Mm. to get more people off the streets. Um, So anybody who knows of landlords, please encourage them to work with us. They're not going to be alone. There's going to be supports that we're building in for the landlord. We don't want them to become a social worker. Uh, We're looking at what what we can create in that support and build it and and work one-on-one with landlords. Um, and then also, I think we need renewed conversations with faith-based communities. Um, there are a lot of churches and they're empty because of COVID. I understand why. And I also talk to lawyers about it and I understand what some of the reasons really are. But the fact is they're empty and the fact is there are people on the streets mm. in front of empty buildings. Um, what can we do to discuss? Please engage us in discussion if you're willing to open your doors. And I'm not saying for a lot of people, just for somebody, just for a small group, just to get people out of the cold. And for let, let's talk about getting, getting um, the systems in place that we get them into housing. Mm-hmm. And we, we already have some models, uh, a small model that we did with 15 people that has worked really well. I could see if we work with congregations mm-hmm. in that form that we can actually get move people to housing even quicker. That's great. So yeah, it, I, I mean, it seems obvious now that you've said it, but I would not have guessed that you would say that the best way we can help is to get you buildings. Um, but it sounds like that is definitely one of the, one of the biggest needs. You have you have the systems and you have the willpower and you have the means to do it, but you need a place to put these people. Um, mm. So that's great. I'll, I'll definitely be trying to spread the word in that regard. And I always have to check my language. <laughs> you just, I think you just repeat it. We always need to think of we're one community. Homelessness to me is a neighborhood issue. Everybody's our neighbor. It's not us versus them. It's us. And, and that's how I think about it. And sometimes it's, it's, uh, I want to apologize to everybody if I'm, if I'm not always stick with that terminology. Uh, But that's exactly what I want to talk about. That's where neighbors need to think of, tell us what services you need to house people, what services you're lacking that you don't see in your community. Um, we need to move away from always wanting to push uh, people experiencing homelessness from one neighborhood or one council district to the next. We need to be all part of the solutions. And people are our neighbors where they are, whether they're housed or not housed. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Are there any resources, um, maybe books or documentaries that you really recommend people to check out to learn more about homelessness? Uh, yes, let's start with actually a website. It's the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Okay. I feel they are really good for experts and non-experts. Um, they have articles. And it's a website that's really easy to maneuver. They have resources, facts. Uh, they're really going by best practice standard. And it's, it's also a resource I'm frequently going to and, and using. Then another um, great resource it's uh, the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. It, they're headquartered right here in Nashville. Really? And they're also easy to follow on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, so those two are really good starting points. And from there, everybody will go to 
get other resources, books, and, and, you know, they did make those type of recommendations. Okay. So you mentioned the landlords. Uh, what if someone is just looking to give their time to this cause? Uh, can they get involved with the Homeless Impact Division or any of the other nonprofits that you work with? It's really other nonprofits. Okay. Uh, since we're doing a lot of planning and coordination, we, we need a certain level of expertise, and we, which is so, yeah, we, we don't have usually what people look for. So what I recommend is um, determining what they want to do and looking at nonprofits. And I hate to just name a few and then leave others out. That's all right. <laughs> we can get, but, I can uh, put an extensive list in the show notes if yeah. you want to send me that. Yes. Yes, I can do that. Let's okay. let's do that. Uh, um, what about a way? Is there a way to follow the work of the Homeless Impact Division uh, to stay up to date? Yes. Email me at judith.techit at nashville.gov and I put you on a, a newsletter that we are doing monthly. Oh, okay, great. That sounds great. I'll definitely uh, point people that way. So last question, I asked this to everyone on the show, whether it relates to the work that you do at the Homeless Impact Division or not, how can we make Nashville better? Um, it goes back to what I actually said before. I feel if we're starting to look at people uh, as our neighbors and one first step before you complain about people, just introduce yourself, get to know a person's name. Um, the conversation with that person will change. I feel a lot of times the behavior towards uh, each other will change when you know a person. And we don't have to be best friends, but if we know each other, there is and know somebody's name, there's a certain respect towards each other. And we're looking at each other at the same level and have conversations start that way. Yeah. And that's, I think, is the number one um, goal for all of us. Um, we have a huge NIMBY issue, which is not in my backyard. And I hope that looking at people as our neighbors will actually help with that issue as well. Mm -hmm. It's their backyard too. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of us together and all of us have the same goal and to just remember that yeah. all of us whether you are without a house or with a house we all have the same goal around homelessness we want people to do well and and to have a job or an income and to manage um whatever health issues they have uh to to be able to live their lives yeah reach yeah. their goal absolutely well Thank you so much for talking with me today, Judy. I'm uh, really excited. I learned a lot. Uh, so thank you so much for being so detailed. And I'm really excited by what you all are doing. It sounds like you guys are headed in the right direction. I hope that we can uh, see the end of homelessness on our horizon in the near future. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to what you do in the days to come. Well, I want to thank you. And I want to thank all the providers out there and everybody who, who works with people um, that in any field that need a little bit of extra help yeah. to, to reach their goals. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. See ya. Once again, that was Judy Tackett with the Homeless Impact Division. 
If you liked what you heard today and you want to find some of the resources that Judy was talking about, you can check out the show notes wherever you're listening to this, or you can follow us on Instagram at Bettering Nashville, where I'll be posting more about the Homeless Impact Division and other guests that have been on the show. And like always, if you have an idea for an organization or a guest you'd like to be featured on the show, you can reach out to me at betteringnashville at gmail.com or via DM on Instagram, again, at betteringnashville. Thanks again for listening and be on the lookout for more episodes in the future.